We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. To start the show, my good friend Richard Doc Walker uh, is with us. And uh, I got uh, this uh, Apple podcast review from Stephanie. Stephanie writes, I love when when you do the show with Tommy Cooley. But I love when you have Doc Walker on your show. The two of you for years have been priceless together. Well, thank you, Stephanie. We were, we both appreciate that. And we've always enjoyed working with one another, um, including when we did a show together many, many, many years ago. And then Doc left me to go with Coach um, after that. But... Um, Doc is with us. Doc's doing his own podcast. You can get it at patreon.com slash Doc Walker. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Rick Doc Walker. Don't forget to rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify. It's a big help. So I wanted you. I appreciate that, Steph. Yeah, I wanted you on the show to begin with because Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about the game last night. And I know that you watched the game last night and you are into the NBA and you're into the NBA playoffs and the NBA finals. You know what I did think of is just the Celtics coming back and winning. And when Coach was alive and doing the show with you and B. Mitch or you and Al just when the Celtics were in the finals, especially those years when they played the Lakers in the finals, how you and coach would go back and forth Lakers oh, and Celtics. Gosh. Yeah. And my son, Austin oldest, who is a Celtic, he lives in green. He's got green pajamas every Christmas. He's all this <laughs> green crap. He had my mother in green yesterday and I, she had doctor's appointment, took her out. He's, he's in town. I watched, I watched them beat the heat with me. And it's the first game I had to watch from tip to, to the end because I don't do that. You, I pick it up at halftime. I tape them, and then I go because it just, it's just my attention span is so limited now if it's not purple and gold, and it's, the, and it's the Celtics. And I think of John, and I know he's smiling up above. I don't hate them because of the way they play defense, and they're, they're unselfish. So I, I love their style of play. Um, so it was, it was cool. But last night, it was one of the most enjoyable evenings I've had watching this. Because believe it or not, we're working. People laugh at it all the time. But I go, hey, I got to watch this. What do you mean you got to watch? I'm working. Because to be a pro, I could just listen to you as I do every morning and find out what happened. But right. I do have an obligation. And, and I love it. And last night was epic. And even if they win the whole thing, I'm not hating because of the style in which they play. I thought last night's game was incredible. First of all, Steph Curry's first quarter performance was was incredible. Like he he's hitting them from everywhere, and never and, seen it. And that was so much fun. And then to see the twists and turns during the course of the game, I will tell you in the fourth quarter. For those that you know are are waiting for kind of a recap of the game, well, you should have watched it. And I told you to watch this. And a couple of you did tweet me to say. You were right. This is a great matchup, and last night's game was thrilling. It really was. I mean, it was a 12-point final score, but Boston was down 12 entering the fourth quarter, and they won yeah. by 12. They outscored Golden State 40-16, to 
with a but with just a barrage of threes. They were nine for twelve from behind the arc. Horford made them. I thought Doc Jalen Brown was so big for Boston early in that fourth quarter because he hit a lot of big buckets that got him back to within striking range. With Jason Tatum, who had thirteen assists and played a a a, a good all around game minus the scoring. But when you got your best player going three for seventeen and scoring twelve, and you still win, uh, that could be trouble for Golden State. Well, as Coach Thompson taught us all, that most guys define themselves by their offense. But the fact that he was a, he dis- distributed the ball, but his minutes played, you would think that he was lousy just because he didn't score. But he had more minutes than anyone. So Coach trusted his ability to compete, and Brown, a cow bear. He's home. He, I mean, he grew up yeah. watching Steph. He got to hang out with these guys, and you could see the emotion. He doesn't play with a lot of emotion, but I saw him in a different light being back home. And we all know what it's like to play in front of your own people. So it was just a great – that you know, Shaq coined the phrase, and David Aldridge, who I had on my podcast today, he said the others. When Shaq has made that famous, and when you get the contribution that they had off that quote, others – you're going to be hard to beat, and they play defense. And Al Horford, I know he's thinking he could have been a wizard. And I know, thank God for his sake, <laughs> that it worked out the way it did. No matter yeah. pit stops in Atlanta, it didn't matter. I love the way he played his first NBA Finals. And to play like that, and it's not over. Draymond Green was right. You don't win it after one game. But it is going to be worth the price of admission. Uh, I had Jimmy P uh, on the show today, Patsos on the show. Oh, Patsos. Yeah, and he, ta- he talked about, you know, one game, game one doesn't matter, and he went back to 1985 when the Celtics beat your Lakers 148-114, to a game uh, yeah, labeled for a reminder. the Memorial Day Massacre. And then the Lakers came back yeah. with Kareem having a big game in game two, and they won it, and they went on to win the series in six. The difference here is that Boston was the road team and won in Golden State's home building, which puts a lot of pressure on Golden State Sunday night. If not, that series is going back to Boston with a chance to never come back to San Francisco. Now, you mentioned the others. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. the others were were great. Uh, Derek White's been phenomenal for Boston over the oh, last couple of killer. weeks. Um, he was great. But um, one of the others, and I don't even think it's fair to call him one of the others because he's such a dog. And I just think that this is a guy that you probably love, Marcus Smart. Oh, defensive player of the year? Other? No, he ain't no other. He, he's the main attraction who, when he didn't bitch, he, he lost the minutes, but his team was playing well. And I watched his demeanor. And he was leading the charge. He was cheerleading. And then when he got in, he hit big shots and continued to play the kind of defense he plays. And against a team that moved the movement, you as a coach, you know, ball movement, how do Golden State Warriors, their conditioning is like Kip Kino. I mean, they're like marathon runners. But they are constant movement. And to defend like that in space, I was like, wow. I mean, I thought both coaches, both of them are excellent. But for to be a rookie and to have your team down on the road coming off a seven-game war, and the way they finish that war, and you go through Jersey, you go through Milwaukee. And you, really, the Celtics, I will be standing and applauding if they're able to pull it off, be no hatred whatsoever, because of the style in which they play. I think they are going to pull it off. After watching last night, I think they are going to pull it off. Um, and I, I'm kind of rooting for Golden State and Steph Curry. Uh, I'd like to see him... Uh, win a fourth title. Uh, but I don't hate Boston. I, Marcus Smart, like Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard, like I love the great two-way uh, players. I love the great competitors and the guys that come up big. You know, you know, you and I end up kind of having similar tastes in players. Like the, Marcus Smart is just a badass, relentless, high-energy competitor, him. like Jimmy Butler was, which I was rooting for him to, to do it in Game Me 7. Too. Um, but I didn't want a minute. I didn't want. To, I was rooting for him, but it was kind of like. And you did say this, and I will give you credit for it with Tommy and your picks because I killed you 
this morning with Sally in, in just and <laughs> playing and hugging why? you. Because you said, you know, uh, if you I didn't make my prediction, and you didn't. Oh, on radio. But I did I, on the podcast. I did it on the podcast. On radio, yeah. yeah. I did. So I'm laughing. Me and, oh, we had, a, we had a whole segment on you this morning. <laughs> of course and you I did. And I go. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Of course. I do. This is what, it has my rating. Right. And so I go, but he did say it. And I go, it's one of those things where, man, isn't it cool that either team can go? There's no bias. They're not really our per- particular teams. But when you love sports, this is what it's all about. And even hockey, and you and I joke over the years, but when you watch him play off hockey, no, and even if it's, it's just you turn in the third period, it's phenomenal. You know, lacrosse and what Maryland did, I go back to it. I haven't watched the UVA game. They're only blemished in that game. And I felt it's like losing the Super Bowl. You, you can never get over it. And it stays with you longer than winning one because it's woulda, shoulda, coulda. And you want to fight to do it. And you and I, over the years, we've talked so much about little things like OTAs. And every time I read a story, I think of you. And it really Green Bay. So this morning I talked about Aaron Rodgers. And I got my all-jackass team. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and these quarterbacks. And I go, but you know the interesting part, Sammy Watkins hadn't played with him. Christian Watson, Yeah, this, he's a great prospect, but don't know it. Would it have killed him? And I said, oh, no, he had a golf event. I mean, it's always about Aaron. And so I have no pity for him in the playoffs when he comes up flat because these are the little things that I go, a guy like TB12 never, ever underachieves in. Yeah, but but TB12's not at OTAs. No, but TB12 is in full gear in the offseason working out. TB12, nobody doubts the fact that TB12 is going to be at every. He's going to lead everything. It's a difference. That's why TB12, he's not on my all-jackass team. But these three guys are. They're poster boys. And Baker Mayfield, in this situation, Kyler Murray, at least he showed up. But it's always about him. So we'll see. We'll see. Because this is what makes it interesting and in what we do. You, you like certain people based on things. You don't know them, but you – you hear about them, and you watch how they go. You're talking about the commanders. And I go, they're poodles. And the guys who show up, all the big hoopla over who was there and who was not there. And I go, don't you folks understand? They're never going to do it on their own until they start playing for their teammates and not the team. It's not about Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. It's about the guy you locker next to. That's how we were able to, in a short, striking year, we were able to go work out in Herndon at a high school with no coaches involved and have 100% attendance. Because we had Theismann as a leader. You know, we had Oak, Oak Dog. We, we had Mark Murphy. Look at the people that we played with and what they're doing now. It tells you about everything. Whereas you're trying to get guys who are not leaders you give the wrong guy seeds. They pass these seeds around. It shows you how they don't get it. They don't have a feel for it. It's like parenting. I never had anybody with our kids was never with them that didn't have a baby. I would never have somebody keep my kids that never had a baby. <laughs> You've told me this okay, one I don't before. Have You'd like, never I'm, have a babysitter babysit and be alone with your kids if they didn't if they hadn't had kids themselves. Never. <laughs> Never. Are you kidding me? Yet we give the kind of baby a C on his chest. He, he don't show up and you get mad. He don't know how to. He don't get it. He's doing it for the Kobe's. No, it's about your teammates. Everything you do to win, and I had a chance to be a part of their rookie meeting yeah, I know. Uh, this week. And Mark Schlereff was there, you who you had on, one of my favorites. And uh, it was unbelievable. And I wish I had had that when I was a rookie. Dumb as bricks. And having somebody say, hey, <laughs> by the way, you know, make sure you do this or don't do that. And so no matter who, who you are, you're going to make mistakes, man. You don't know, but you need somebody to count it out for you. Travis Johnson, can you remember, this is wide receiver practice squad guy with Tampa Bay. You're in a practice squad. You're out at 3 a.m. in the morning, you get a DUI, and good God almighty, thank God they cut him. 
What is, what are you doing out drunk at 3 a.m. in the morning on the practice squad? <laughs> you haven't busted a grape yet, and you're living like a pro. And guess what? They got rid of me. We need guidance, man. And you need you got blind leading the blind, and you wonder why they run into a wall. Well, that's on you. But, you know, the thing that you said, you got to do it for your teammates. You should be doing it for your teammates, yeah. not for your coaches. Uh, no. and, I, and, I, and I can envision back in the day, you know, during the strike and Joe calling, you know, the, the practice sessions that you had and everybody, you know, uh, showing up, except for Rigo, right? Everybody. Did, but did Rigo show up for any of them? Didn't he miss Rigo's, some of them? Rigo is the best teammate you could ever have in life. <laughs> I know that. Because he going to never let his teammate down. Uh, he may tell uh, the coaches to go cram it. I know that. He's going to never let you down. Uh, but yeah. what I would say to you is that this new generation or the latest generation of players, they all seem to have Chase Young's back when he was the only one that didn't post last year. And so I, I don't know if I – doing it for your teammates, okay, and maybe the teammates are too afraid to come out and say, no, I wish he were here. You know, he's our team captain. I wish he were here. But they don't you say that and, that, and I don't think they feel that. I don't They're think they think it's a big it. deal. No, no, no. I disagree with you. They're not going to say anything against Chase because they know how Chase is revered in this area and how the staff, how they eat up everything he does and says. So, no, they're not stupid. But I guarantee you, um, teams that haven't won yet, there's a reason why. Everybody acts shocked. Why are you shocked? Until you taste that and you win, then you convert it. Then, you, then you're on autopilot. You don't have to be told what to do because you want to get back in that arena. You want, you want to do that. Even though they made the playoffs and even though they had a little bit of taste of that without a winning record, it just shows you that it didn't stick. And so they're in the process. I like their roster. I, as a matter of fact, I'm not negative about anything as to where they're going, but until they learn how to lead themselves, you're going to have these issues. The undisciplined comments you hear about, the sly comments, those are all true. But that's on them. If you bring back your staff in its entirety, you have, you're saying to everybody, I'm good. We're good. Okay. Prove it. Yeah, Prove it, because your results don't tell me you're good. Yeah, I want to get to the, you know, we're good here in a moment. But I, I do, you know, as you were answering the uh, my my uh, thought that some the players of today don't care about that stuff, I there are a couple of players that I think did care. Like, I think John Allen probably cared that Chase wasn't oh, there. No, he does. Um, but, but, but the bottom line is that was last year. He showed up this year, and he's coming off this injury, and he was there, so – you know, you, you give him credit for that, right? Because Ron told yeah. us he was going to be there. He would have made the coach look pretty silly if he didn't post for any of these. Yeah, he would have. But that's a pressure. We, we shouldn't even have to deal with that. Trace is not going to play right now. He's coming off rehab. So it's, it's skull sessions for him. It's all blackboard stuff, which is important. He lives here. If you got to beg a guy who's in town to come – He's closed. I don't even want to discuss it. Be different. He's on the West Coast. He lives here. If you can't get the people who live here <laughs> to come down the street and do, I, I rest my case. Um, do you have any thoughts on Terry McLaurin not showing up for any of these uh, OTA days? No, he's my favorite player. He and John Allen, he, because he, it's a business decision for him. He's got to protect himself. And I would hope that he gets out of here. If you love him, then you want him to be freed and go get paid and get somebody that can throw him the ball properly. Oh, no question about it. I mean, if, if it works, quarterback situation might favor them. It could work for him. But my advice to Terry is to run. I mean, because I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen. If Wentz keeps his head on straight, they could be really good because the guy is very talented. But we don't know what's going to happen. But he's got the ability to. It's going to be the best we've been in a <laughs> long time. He would tell Terry to run, just to run from this place. I would go. Well, I'd go get paid. I would go. Do you want to play with Aaron Rodgers? Do you want to play with Pat Mahomes? Oh, come on, man. I'm not talking about I, I want them to be successful. You asked me about Terry. I'm giving you my advice if I was to say to him, when are you going to go on your track record? Plus, we get rid of everybody really good anyway. 
we the only people give away Hall of Fame talent. <laughs> so, you know, Trent Williams going to Hall of Fame. We got even your guy, Kirk Cousins. We haven't beat, we have not topped his performance yet. Okay. Tell me about the rookie meeting that you were a part of. There were a lot of alumni players. You know, I, I had Mark mm-hmm. Schloreth, as you mentioned, on the radio show this yeah. morning. He was back in town for this thing. I saw you. Mm-hmm. You know, you tweeted out pictures, or somebody tweeted out pictures of you in Santana, and I saw Mosley there. And um, what yeah, was no, the, I didn't do it. What was this about? It's classified. What was this about? Well, it wasn't classified well, because they, they, the, pic, the pictures of it were sent out. It's classified in terms of content. It was well, one of the best share, things I've ever been a part of. So share with us some because of the classified. Because you got a chance. You got a chance. You got no. Well, then this is classified. <laughs> I um, being able to share your mistakes with people, mentoring, is one of the greatest gifts you can give anybody. I mean, you with a group of young broadcasters, you with a group of coaches, that's priceless. <laughs> your mistakes. We know what you've done. We know your success, but. We don't necessarily share our errors. So when you get a chance to fellowship with young people, I didn't know any of these people. It was great. It's one of the most enjoyable things I've ever been a part of because I could help, hopefully help and encourage someone and give them that lend that olive branch. You don't know this unless you've been transplanted. You come from California, you're on the East Coast, or you're in the Midwest. You don't know anybody. Imagine going somewhere. See, everybody knows you. Everybody here, you're you know, okay, Kevin Sheehan. But when you go somewhere and nobody knows you, we talked about this, Dotson out of TCU, and you had background because your son, Casey, was with him. So I felt like I knew him just because of that connection. He was lonely. He's the only <laughs> child. Yeah. He got away from his family. He couldn't adjust to the loneliness, and he got hurt. And what I shared with him, having broken my arm as a rookie, you got to be able to tell him what it's like to be on an island or to be left when the team's gone and you're left back in a hotel or in a training camp by yourself. You have got to be able to deal with loneliness. You have to be able to deal with being disconnected from the group. When you're hurt in this league, it's ugly. I mean, people walk right by, you don't even speak. Because you're not, you're not relevant because it's about winning. It's about competing. And if you can't help me win, then really you don't have a value. So, you know, just apartment. Just, I always encourage young people, meet people in this community. Some of the people that I met 40-some years ago, I'm still engaged with because I didn't hang out with players when I got off. I had friends in the community. So people that I met who were D.C. people, government employees, that's the key to it, to me, because we have a great metroplex but you got to get to know people and not as a player but as a human being and a citizen of a community and if you do that even if you drop the winning touchdown pass or your team is owing whatever you'll still be applauded applauded but if you live off this football thing now you got to base on the record and you can't control that record and it's not like it used to be here so brace yourself and like i told address the kids i'll let you in on this one i just told them stop blaming people Take charge of your own damn team. It's not about the staff. It's about you guys. Claim it. Come in here and be that group that turns things around so we can get stuck off stupid and get back to what we're used to and what we grew accustomed to. I want you to take it personal because to me it's all about the team and the unity of the team. Rules are for undisciplined people. If you understand what's at stake, I don't have to tell you when to be here. We had quarterback here. They had to beg him to come to practice. What are you talking about? Everybody knows the quarterbacks are there when it's dark. And if the guy ain't there when it's dark, then you pick the wrong guy. Or you don't have anybody to train the guy. Somewhere it's a disconnect. The guy or the staff. So you got to be able to get to people. You cannot say failure is not an option. You mean you didn't get the guy to do what you wanted to do. That's on you. So that's my point to them is stop pointing the finger around here. I'm so sick of all these damn excuses. This is why I said this year, 11 wins minimum. This is where we got to go. It's time to, get, it's time to go. I'm sick of the talk. Let's go. They got the talent. They got enough 
people there, and if this kid at quarterback gets his head straight, then they got a chance to be special. Rules are for the undisciplined. If somebody's got to tell you that you got to be there, you're not the right guy. Brilliant motivational speaking from our friend Doc Walker. Uh, I want to ask you more about this rookie symposium or rookie meeting that you were invited uh, to speak at. And we will do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So in this message that you gave to these rookies as part of this rookie alumni get-together that was very secretive, um, was that your main message? Did That's you, classified. Did you get up and, and speak in front of, like, the whole group, or was or were these more one-on-ones? This is classified. Oh, stop. Come on, tell me. It's classified. Uh, stop it. Did you get up and speak? Because if I were... I know you're Kevin Sheehan. Stop. I know you're Kevin Sheehan, and you got seats on the floor at every arena you go to. I don't go to, Everybody I don't go to games anymore. And when you go to the PGA, when you go to Congressional, the guy at the front book, I don't play oh, a Congressional. it's Mr. Sheehan. Um, okay, it's Mr. Sheehan. Okay. Or you go to your club, you go to Columbia, okay. Okay. and they go, oh, it's Mr. Sheehan. Okay, okay can we I get stop, that. Can we stop with this for a second? I'm being honest with you. I know. I, I, I'm being honest. And, and, and I'm... You I, told me it's going to be 10 minutes. It, it's already 20. <laughs> well, it's, it, I didn't tell you 10 minutes, first of all. I told you 20 minutes. And 20 in, in, our, in our conversations usually means 30. So you should have known that going in. Because let me tell you something. Rules are for the undisciplined. If you came in onto this podcast and you didn't know that it might have gone 30 minutes, that's on you. What I want to no, know, not, because I want to know, I want to know, this is what you do to your callers. <laughs> I want to know what you do to Lou okay. and Lando when he calls well, you. Lou and Landover is your creation. Lou and Landover is your creation. You were so rude to Sabah the other day. You are so rude. Stop. And I told stop. You don't have to take that from him. Can you He's stop for a second? Can you stop? I mean, uh, Sabah with, with the, the audience. I love Sabah, and Sabah and I, and I now direct message back and forth all the time. But Sabah, like Ian and a few others, there and is, Ian, poor with Ian. the audience, oh, there's just a, a shelf life where if you don't cut them off, people are going to start getting angry. Now, back to you for a moment. I'm, I'm asking a Ronnie comfort. Can you, can you, he's one of us. I love, Ronnie, I, I, I love Ronnie. Ronnie's uh, peace and love. Ronnie's one of my all time favorites. Lou and Landover is your creation because <laughs> I'll never forget when one of those fears, when they just sucked and you had, uh, you guys had the coach on 
you had Gruden on, I think maybe Gruden. one of those years. Yeah. And, and, you, and you started with the George Michael thing, which is George would never ask a question directly. He would say, people are saying. People are saying. And yeah, you, no, did the thing, you did the thing where you said, look, Lewin Landover, who calls in all the yeah. time, he wants to know. So that was yeah. your creation. But back to you for a moment, because most of the people listening under know this about you. You are a paid motivational speaker. And so Jason Wright, or whomever it was that put this thing together, was it Jason? Jason, Tim Hightower, yeah. Okay, so Jason Jason, Jason and Tim Hightower, who heads up the alumni uh, group for the team now, yeah. uh, because Tim, yeah. was here, Tim was here for such a long period of time and won so much. But uh, I'll let that slide. I, I know Tim's doing He's a great so job and doing his best. He really is. I know. So... Um, they, they, you know, Jason obviously wants you to be involved, and he wants you because of that group of players. And no disrespect to any of the other former players that are there, you are a professional motivational speaker. So the thing that you said about rules are for the undisciplined, no excuses. This is on you. You eleven, eleven wins minimum. Was that Minimal. an address to the entire rookie group that was there that night, or was that something where you were just addressing that one-on-one with the players? I hope they put you up in front of the entire group and allowed you to to do your thing. Did they? That's classified. Oh, God damn it. It's not classified. Stop it. I would appreciate it if you didn't use profanity in my presence. <laughs> um why are you why are you doing this there's nothing classified about the other night okay give me um give Let me, me tell you this. this is the most this pod what i'm on right now there'll be more people that'll listen to this than i'll have all week okay and and again uh, and and so i am not going i took a vow I want this is a cool thing that they did. It's out on social media everywhere. So if it was not, classified, it it's now media. declassified. Well, did it's you, declassified. You didn't hear what I said? Did you? Did you hear what I said? Is that on social media? No, it's not, and it will be <laughs> so, either. Okay. Okay. Let me let me ask you this. We'll we'll go with non-identifying information here. Okay. So just general generalities. Is this the first time that this has happened? First time I've been invited to anything, yeah, like that. Secondly, um, were all of the rookies there? Was it just rookies? Yes, rookies, free agents, everybody new to the program. It was, I tell you, it was phenomenal. So was Carson Wentz there? Is he a rookie? No, but he's a new acquisition. Well, no, new. This was rookies. Well, you said new, new to the program. Well, I, but, but to my to my deal, rookies. He was, Carson was not there. I would pay to talk to Carson Wentz. I would pay them to be in a room with him. Um, was it an impressive group? You usually have a sense yes, of was. this. Very impressive. Oh, my God. Very impressive. Four of the guys spoke, and I'll tell you what. I still got goosebumps over it. It's one of the greatest things I've ever been a part of. And because I know that I wish I had had that offered to me as a rookie. And because... I had Glenn Harris, you know, I had James Brown, you know, I had Glenn Brenner, George Michael, um, you know, I had Andy O. So I just look at the people, George Solomon at the Post. I look at the people that I was privy to have contact with and be around and how it helped me climb this ladder. And it's about having people that drop knowledge on you. So they get you off that being stuck on stupid. It's about experience. You can't buy it. You can't buy it. And so it was so important for that. And I look at my past. And so um, you just want to give back. And you you don't want people to be confused. Like I told them, it's amazing. You come to a new town, and I always think about Michael Jordan's first-round pick with the Wizards. And I think about, now this kid is very vocal now. But when he got here, what was he, 18? I think he was 18. He was young. Maybe at the time. He was very young. He didn't even know how to go to dry cleaners. Didn't know how to do grocery. He didn't know how to do anything. That stuck with me because I go, man. Yeah. Imagine how lonely that kid was. Right. And now to hear how articulate he is, he's one of the great podcast listeners of all time. And so that's why you want to put that out and extend it. And it's the first time I've ever been privy to this. I don't know if it's happened in the past, 
But I thank Tim Hightower immensely for this opportunity to develop and was able to really fellowship and extend a number and an email and have an access to where anybody wants to go one-on-one with me, just let me know when. You said that there were a few players, I think you said four, that stepped up and spoke and were really impressive. Yep. So just yep, very just tell me one of them. Classified. Tell me one of them. I'm not telling you anything. Was Jahan Dotson one of them? That's classified. Oh, God. You're going to tell me right when we stop recording. I'm not going to tell you anything. I'll tell you what I'll tell you. What? Yeah, get me on the show. Next time you bring me on, I'll talk about it. <laughs> That's how bad I want to be on this was, again. Was Jahan, so next time you bring me on, I'll do it again. Okay. Was Jahan we'll Dotson was Jahan Dotson impressive as a person? He was there. Yeah, I know. I know he was there. Was he impressive? Because yeah. I've been told that he's a very impressive young man. Classified. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about the stadium? Nope. <laughs> I don't discuss the stadium. I listen to you guys, and then I actually <laughs> I go do I go get uh, I don't give a damn where they play. I care how they play. Yeah. I told you Audi Stadium. I told them what to do six months ago. Nobody listened to me. Play it well, out. Really play it out. Twenty-two thousand Patreon. 22,000, we'd be great there. Standing room only, be all members of the Berkeley go, and nobody other fans could get in. We'd dominate that, and we'd be downtown, and you could actually have a social life after the game. Um, yeah, you know, we could we could go to Audi, we could go to a game, and then we could just just drive on over to the MGM afterwards and, ha- and have have a few cocktails, gamble a little bit, and watch the rest of the games. Uh, yep. right, last, last one for you. Um, okay. Because you've, you've given me a lot, but you also haven't because of this classified meeting. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with me that Ron Rivera, with kind of what he has said here in the offseason and really what they've done, has created very much kind of some self-imposed pressure for 2022 that he didn't necessarily have to do or not? I'm the wrong guy for that because I'm completely abnormal when it comes to approach. I don't really care what any coach says because he doesn't play. Now, Ron was a hell of a player. We could suit him up. And Jack, they were a hell of a player. I'd love to suit him up. They don't play. So what they say, I leave that to you talk show hosts. I'm not into that. <laughs> you talk I, I judge them by their results. Mm-hmm. And the results are average. And so if that's good enough for you, good. So be it. Not for me. So the scoreboard, they got to light it up. It's how we play. It's not what you say. I don't care what you say. I've seen your work. I've seen what happens. I'm not satisfied. It's not acceptable by my standards. Now, it might make you some money, and that's great. You can do all you got to do. But I don't care about any of that. I don't care where they play. I don't care what their name is. I don't care what the uniform is no more. I don't care about none of that. All I want to know is that are we going to kick somebody's ass that comes into our place? And it's got to start with, with the Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants. That's the priority. We play them twice. It's unacceptable to lose to anybody twice in your division. It's unacceptable. So what I want to know is that can we put a product out on the field that's going to represent this community the way we've seen in the past. Because we've been there before, and we didn't start off great. We lost five games in a row under Joe Gibbs. you know. But we were able to, because of the affection of the teammates, the Jeff Bostics of the world, the Nick Giaquinos of the world, the Tony McGee. This is what I'm talking about. All the first round of pick, I don't give a damn what round you're in. I tell you my favorite day is Monday, the unrestricted free agent day. We bring in some dogs. See, I'm not looking for show ponies, poodles, and all that. You can have all them. Give me some cats out here that are playing for rent. They got kids, wife's pregnant, and, you know, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some cats that's playing for rent money. You know, not their second Bentley or their convert. I don't give a – this thing is eroded. It is a, it's garbage based on the intent. What I'm looking for right now is results, and that's all I'm going to accept. I'm not even talking about anything other than that, period. And I hate to be a jackass, but I got to go. Yeah, I know you do. Um, 
thanks for spending 20 minutes with me, uh, which is exactly what I told you. It was over you. 20 minutes, well, and I, I only did it. I don't know if it was. So I can come back on again. Yeah, I mean, if, if you hadn't had a bunch of stuff classified, we we, we, we would have been done in well, 15. Well, no, I know if I was Chris so. Cooley, I'd be on every week, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I know if I was Tom Lavero. Uh, I'd be on every week. That's the difference. Patreon.com slash Doc I'm Walker. I'm the other. When Shaq talks about it, I'm the other with you. Patreon.com you know slash Doc Walker. By the way, you know, I'd love to get invited to be on your podcast. Whenever you want to have me, just call me up. No, um, it's you always because we come too early. It would be a and pleasure. you're on the air. No, it would be a pleasure You're on to the be air on forever, and you've got a three-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> three All right. Uh, I, will, I will talk to you. Thanks for doing this. Okay, and tell your family, man, that I love them. Tell, and, uh, yeah, and we'll we'll talk. Tell okay. tell all the A's, uh, the boys with with A's as a first name, um, and first yeah. letter and a first name. Tell them hello. Tell uh, Carol hello, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Talk to you. God bless you. Bye. So is fifty five thousand? Yeah, we're going to do some stadium talk. Is fifty five thousand the right number? for Washington's next stadium. I've got a guy that's going to join us next that is an expert on attendance in sporting events, ticketing, where this thing is headed. He'll join us next right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, we've been talking a lot uh, over the last few days about what Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch reported, which was that the next stadium for uh, Washington will be a 55,000-seat stadium wherever it goes, and that that's kind of been the trend in sports, smaller stadiums. Buffalo's is going to be 60,000. And I've got somebody on the show with me right now that really understands ticketing and live gate you know in sports and in entertainment and terms of where it's going Dave Wakeman is the head of the Wakeman consulting group uh, he's also got a podcast called the business of fun Dave's worked in sports he's worked uh, for the Dolphins and the Seahawks for Paul Allen um, the owner uh, when he was alive of the Seahawks um, been involved with a lot of different big brands uh, over the years and he's joining us right now and and Dave I appreciate you making time for us and really uh, I do want to get to you know sort of Washington's idea of building a 55,000 seat stadium and what's that you know what that is sort of based on because we're kind of guessing from our end but before we get to that just what is the current state of live gate live attendance you know at sporting events in particular you know in north america maybe you can speak to what it is around the globe but in in north america in the in the professional sports and the big college sports where is kind of live gate going right now well thanks for having me kevin and uh we'll start with the big picture so like globally uh Big events in sports have come back pretty strongly. Uh, the Australian Football League is seeing attendance that's higher than it's ever been. Uh, the Premier League has seen their uh, attendance come back very strongly. Uh, teams in the National Basketball League in Australia, which is the second biggest basketball league in the world, they've had some really strong attendance. And when you come to the state, it's been more of a mixed bag. Uh, big events like the NBA playoffs are selling well. Uh, big baseball matchup. So if you ever saw our Yankees Red Sox game, uh, which I don't know that they haven't played yet this year, but they will be, um, those, those numbers will be high. The average game uh, is struggling a little bit. So the current state is a little bit up and down. Uh, it's not necessarily the V-shaped recovery that people were talking about as far as like things rebounding right away. Uh, but it, it, it's sort of, um, you know, not a catastrophe and it's, you know, and the big events are selling really, really well. 
But you're kind of referring to sort of the bounce back off of the pandemic when we had no fans. Like, what is the projection? What is are people like there's this impression that I think a lot of us have that is and that is that the convenience of watching from home with the, you know, obviously the the lower cost, uh, the avoiding of the traffic, the avoiding of the crowds. You've got, you know, your big 75 inch, you know, 4K television, et cetera, et cetera, that the th- this is one of the reasons that, you know, say NFL attendance, Major League Baseball attendance, NBA attendance has kind of been going down in general over the years. Is, is that accurate? Well, I think there's um, probably several things that you open up the door for here. You know, first of all, there's the convenience factor of coming, uh, you know, staying home and watching it, right? Like like you said, I, I felt like you were um, hiding out in my closet and waiting to see what I was doing on the weekend because you described it me perfectly. Uh, there, there's the convenience factor. There's, uh, I mean, in the DMV, there's the travel hassle of getting to the game, right? That's not even the hassle of going to the game. Uh, you know, there's the pricing that, you know, that's involved. And then in the pandemic, there's severe changes in behavior, you know, and all of those have combined to make it much more difficult to, to get people to come to the games. The big challenge, though, is that just an overall disconnect in the value that people receive for the price that they're paying to go to a sporting event and what's being charged. And it's a huge disconnect. And when you take all of these other factors into consideration, it makes it much more difficult for somebody to decide to go to a game, right? If it's $50 to park for a Nationals game, why do I need to bother? I just watch the, you know, three or four innings on TV, uh, crack open a beer in my living room, and I'm totally fine because there's you know, fans aren't at, at the building, so then the atmosphere is kind of has been lessened. Um, traffic's bad. Uh, the ticket prices are probably overly high for a rebuilding team. Uh, you know, all of these factors are at play, and that's the same for every sport because it's happening across the board. The scan rates for many, many teams are down at levels that they haven't seen uh, in recent memory. What's a scan rate? Uh, I, let me know, just interrupt. Rate, so, so scan rate, sure. The scan, I'm sorry. Uh, scan rate is the people who are actually coming through the turn. Okay. So, not, so a lot of times when you get the attendance numbers, those are tickets distributed. So that might be comp tickets. That's people who bought a ticket they're not going to go. Uh, it could include any number of groups. It doesn't necessarily mean that those are the number of people. The scan rate is the people that actually showed up. Gotcha. Is the is the downturn in scan rate, is it demographic-driven, age-driven in particular, or older people steering clear of, of, of going to games, but maybe younger people aren't? I'm, give me a minute on that. Sure. Um, it varies from market to market and circumstance to circumstance. Um, I'm sure that depending on the data that we saw from one team, it's going to be different for each team. There's no universal reason for that. For a long time, there was, uh, it did skew a lot younger. Um, corporations have been slow to allow their employees to entertain or go back to events. So that's one thing. Uh, older people who were more at risk from catching the, the COVID virus uh, and having uh, adverse effects, they were slow to return. Uh, young people, you know, they might have been slower to return just because of the pricing, because the younger people's uh, incomes and their ability to spend cash freely on entertainment has been compromised and lessened due to inflation. You know, so there's a number of reasons driving it, but not one that's necessarily like, oh, this is the one problem we can solve and people will come back to stadiums. So, um, Sport-wise in this country, I have, for whatever reason, and and I don't know if I'm right or not, but I've always had this sense that college football continues to drive massive live uh, attendance numbers at these massive stadiums, you know, 100,000-plus-seat stadiums in State College and in Ann Arbor and, you know, at Ohio State and, uh, you know, LSU and Bama, et cetera, because – College football fans in particular, even more so than college basketball fans, they treat these games as like a weekend. It's not a go to the game for three hours and then go home. It's a get in on Friday night and spend the entire weekend there. 
uh, A, have we seen drops in attendance in college football? And B, is is my theory even close to right as to why maybe some of these places continue to fill up these massive stadiums week in and week out, year you know, year after year? Okay, so the first part are, is that is your impression true that the attendance is still off the charts and that people are still uh, going no matter what? It's actually not as true as it used to be. Um, the University of Alabama sometimes struggles to fill the stadium. Uh, Ohio State has struggled recently to sell out. Uh, I, believe, I'm not, I don't want to say Michigan has necessarily had as much trouble, but Notre Dame has been struggling uh, to sell out and to sell tickets. Uh, you know, so like those things are not holding as true, right? So, um, but your second part of your premise is absolutely correct. I went to the University of Alabama, and it wouldn't be people getting in on Friday and staying through the weekend. It would be people arriving on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and camping out uh, in their uh, RVs uh, through the weekend. Yeah, so it was a huge, huge deal, and that definitely drives it, and that gives their there's a little bit of stability in the college sports realm that there might not be in other places. But one of the big challenges that the colleges are dealing with is there's a change in tax law. A um, couple years back, I think it was with the, with the Trump tax cuts, uh, that made it so that the deduction was no longer there for people to write off their college tickets and their uh, donation that they had to give with the tickets at, for tax purposes. And that changed a lot of people's behavior mm, because it wasn't as easy to write off those those uh, ticket purchases any longer. Now, you combine that with all of the issues we talked about before as far as TV and convenience and some of those other things, and it, it comes together to create a more challenging environment for the colleges as well. Yeah, that's that's interesting, the, the tax law piece, because I know that, you know, um, certainly like memberships into, you know, like if I'm a Maryland grad uh, and, you know, the Terrapin Club is mm-hmm. the athletic thing and it's it's all tax deductible and it, it, it isn't anymore is what you're saying. And that's that's impactful. Right. So so let's let's cut to the chase on the primary reason that I called you before we get to the Washington uh, sure. piece of this. Is it smart that NFL's that the NFL's new stadiums, Buffalo is the next one. Washington, you know, still doesn't have a, a location yet. Um, you know, even more recently, sure. Allegiant and Vegas, et cetera, are that these stadiums are getting smaller and smaller. Is that the right thing for NFL teams to be doing? Okay, so I may not give you the most fulfilling answer ever, but I'm going to try to do my best. Okay. And, I'm going to say that it depends on market to market, right? Because it really should be driven by research. Uh, in the case of Buffalo and D.C., I would say that shrinking the stadiums from, what, 93,000 when FedEx Field first opened right. to something in the 60, you know, 65,000 seat range probably makes sense because the, the size of FedEx Field was always probably always a challenge, I believe. Um, in Buffalo... There's not a huge corporate base, right? There's probably not as much sponsorship money. There, um, it may be more difficult to draw fans uh, back and forth, you know, back and forth between um, Toronto and Canada, right along the border, which I think they've historically had success bringing fans in, in for. Um, you know, some of those changes, you know, the location of the stadium probably make that a wiser decision. Allegiant Field is a, pre- is a pretty um, a decent sized stadium, but it also has a different market, right? Because it's going to be much more of a glitzy premium product. And so if your market's glitzy and premium, then you don't necessarily need as much because part of the premium aspect is that it's exclusive. You know, so it's, it's more of a market by market decision. And it really should be one that's driven by research. All right, let's um, let's a couple questions to finish up. Uh, let's talk about DC and the plans that were um, made uh, public last week by Michael Phillips, our friend down in Richmond, that the next stadium would be a fifty-five thousand seat stadium wherever it goes. I know you don't have all of the data and all of the research that the team has, uh, but what's your gut feel? On 55K, too small or just right? So it'll be tough to say if it's too small or just right because um, it depends on the location, right? Because if it's in D.C., you're going to have constraints on your on the size you can build, where you can build, all of these things. Uh, but big, bigger than that is 
teams have seen a trend down in attendance in a lot of markets anyway. And the idea of selling out a 93,000 stadium like FedEx Field currently is probably far-fetched, right, because of any number of factors that we talked about in this conversation. My gut reaction is that it's probably a wise decision in this market because of the population shrinkage that we saw in D.C. during the pandemic. I think we lost 3 or 4% of our population in the area, which was the most significant uh, shift anywhere in the country. Really? Um, was that, I'm sorry, was that, was that just from D.C. going out to the suburbs so the, you had more room, you had more space because you were working from home, because you had kids at home, et cetera? Or was, or was that the actual overall DMV? So what, how they, they did it was a little funky, and it talks about the area within about 30 or 40 minutes of downtown. Okay. And so, and then, but then they also counted people, um, they said they'd moved if they moved an hour out. So let's say, like, if you had moved, lived in northwest D.C. like I do, and you moved to Frederick, you might have counted as moved, or maybe Frederick's not close enough, but maybe moved to Baltimore, you would still count as having left the area. So it was three to four percent is what they they gave as their estimate for the number of people who left the DMV, the, the immediate DC area. Interesting. So I didn't the know smaller that. population could change. It could change things. Um, a shrinking corporate base, right? Less uh, willingness for corporations to spend on sports and inter- or not entertainment, but sports as an entertainment option. Uh, you know, the inflation. People, you know, people then um, are really, really conscious of what they're spending their money on now, uh, and then changing behaviors. Uh, you know, so people aren't necessarily going out to sports as much as as they used to, right? We're seeing that across the, um, you know, every every sport, right? It, you know, you see it with your eyes. So I think maybe fifty five thousand sounds a little small, but it could end up being right. All right. Um... What's the hardest ticket in sports right now? Like, or, or typically in a given, you know, normal sports calendar year. We're not talking about the last two years, which have been obviously different. Sure. What's the hardest ticket to get in, in, for a sporting event? The hardest ticket to get for a sporting event is, is a really good question. Probably, uh, gosh, maybe the Masters. The Masters can be a tough ticket. Super Bowl, there's tickets around. Uh, you can get into the the World Series. is pretty um, usually pretty easy. Uh, I think it, if I had to put my money on it, it would be the Masters. That would be probably the hardest ticket to get. Yeah, I, I've I've heard that over the years. Um, the Duke Carolina game at Cameron Indoor, Coach Shashevsky's final game there. That appeared to be an yeah. unbelievable ticket to, to get in terms of how much you had to pay to get into that building. I mean, you've yeah. got some experience with this over the years. Um, does, I mean, where does that one rank, and does anything else kind of come to mind in terms of you know uh, a specific event that just was super hard to get to get into? Dirty secret is that if you have the money and you're willing to spend it on a ticket, you <laughs> right. can almost always get a ticket to anything. Yeah. Uh, the toughest, so the toughest ticket I have ever tried to get, uh, and this is not a sports ticket, but it might still work for the audience, was Pearl Jam played a show at uh, Webster Hall in New York City, and I think it, hold, it holds about, I'm going to say 700 people, and it was a record like promotion party, and that was the hardest ticket I've ever tried to get. Um, as far as sports go, some of those old Yankees Red Sox games to get a good seat were tough. They were expensive. Uh, I'm talking about like the Bloody Sock game and then the Game 7 after that. Yeah. Those were pretty difficult tickets to get. And you'd see those um, to get a decent seat maybe somewhere in the lower bowl between the bases. You'd, you'd see a pretty substantial uh, cost on those. Um Maybe uh, I've seen a couple of NBA Finals games uh, with, with LeBron and then, you know, um, there was the basketball game. Uh, LeBron, his rookie year, played they played the Knicks, the final game, so the Cavaliers versus the Knicks. That was a pretty tough ticket. In New to York. Get at the time. 
Yeah, in New York. Yeah, because everything you've given me so far is in New York, which is interesting because I think, uh, and I think it it makes sense. No, no, no. New Yorkers have always been willing. You know, they, they they love the big event and they love the hometown big event. You know, the Webster Hall thing that you threw out with Pearl Jam. I mean, that's a small venue. I know that. Um, What what year was that? That would have been about two thousand six or so. Two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah. Yeah, so they would have still been a huge band at that point. Yeah, of course. What what was that? Not, not that they're not a huge band now. So what would have? I mean, you you can pay almost anything to get into an event. That's one of your all time memories of the toughest ticket. What would have it? What would have I had to come up with to get into that event that night? In retrospect, it does not seem nearly as bad, but it was probably around. Um, Three or four hundred dollars. Oh yeah, that, that doesn't seem bad at all uh, now, right? No, not now. It doesn't seem bad at all. But as a thirty a thirty year old David, it, it definitely did. Or even like not even thirty, it right. seemed like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Dave, thanks. I really appreciate this. At Dave underscore Wakeman on Twitter, the Business of Fun podcast. Get it anywhere you get a podcast. Dave, appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for having me. All right, that's it for the show today. Back on Monday. Have a good weekend. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.